This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. This is Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you're here. Self Work is all about trying to reach people who may already be interested in psychological and emotional issues but would love another perspective to someone who's been initially diagnosed with depression or anxiety and you're looking for answers or to that third group of people who may not ever consider darkening the door of a therapist, but they're just curious enough to hear what a psychologist like me has to say. Today's topic is healing from being bullied. I want to warn you that this episode uses examples from the lives of real people who've been bullied, so please listen with caution. I've included in the show notes the sexual abuse text line in the United States and the National Suicide Hotline. But in this episode sponsored by BetterHelp, We're going to talk about bullies that might be in your life today or from your past. What makes someone a bully? Is being bully a diagnostic category? And as always, what can you do about it? How can you heal? The listener email is from a young woman who sounds to me as if she has sadly gone from the frying pan into the fire and chosen a familiar pain, one that she felt in her biological family, and now it's playing out in the family she married into. So I'm glad you're here. I hope you don't listen to this because you have been bullied, but if you have, perhaps it will offer a way for you to have compassion for yourself. We've all probably laughed at someone in a movie who's making some kind of grandiose talk about what they'd say to someone if they only get the chance, and suddenly the person is there, right in front of them. The color washes out of the person's face, the brave words fade, and they stumble around looking sheepish. So, what were you saying? You wanted to talk with me? The silence is deafening. No, I was just thinking about something else, and the sentence is never finished. I can promise you it's not funny in real life. In fact, it's demeaning when you can't find the words to tell someone how you actually feel or what you really think about anything. Maybe it's their behavior. Maybe it's their choices. Maybe it's the way you're being treated or how you see others being treated. Maybe when someone tells a joke, snickering and deriding someone around you for whatever reason and you stay silent or when someone is mean and you feel powerless. Many people never feel safe enough to confront. Even the word confront may bring up chill bumps. There are certainly a lot of movies that talk about bullying. For fun, I did a quick review. I wish I could play some of the scenes here, but I'll have the links to them in your show notes. The list goes back to a movie I watched growing up entitled Carrie, to the boys in Forrest Gump that viciously chased him, to Disney's take on bullying in Toy Story 3. But there's always the classic Mean Girls, where Katie, who'd been homeschooled for 16 years, enters public school for the first time. She bonds with two social outcasts, and they together devise a plan for Katie to infiltrate the plastics, a trio of popular girls led by Regina. After she gains acceptance into the clique, Katie begins to go for the jugular of Regina, and eventually the bullied becomes a bullier herself. And then there's the much more recent Wonder, which is an award-winning movie about a boy that has a facial deformity from birth and how he fared when his parents decided to put him into a normal school rather than homeschooling him. You can well imagine 
what that led to. But as Roger Ebert said in his critique, the cumulative effect of this movie, as overly simplistic as it may sound, is the powerful understanding of what it feels like to walk in someone else's shoes. There it is. There's the word that describes what is basically lacking in someone, even a child, who is turning to bullying to have power. Empathy. Empathy means being able to walk in someone else's shoes, trying to best understand what you don't understand, because you haven't lived anyone else's life but your own. And empathy is what's needed. The definition of bullying says it's the act of seeking to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. Real bullying doesn't have a movie ending, and being its victim can stay with you for years. We're not going to cover cyber or school bullying, but perhaps what you hear here can help with that. Just know teenagers can be the worst, as their whole world revolves around seeking approval, so empathy for a bullied victim falls low in importance. But let's talk about your bully being your parent for a minute. You know, bullying is easier to see in many ways in the movies, where the bad guys are easy to spot and we're cheering for the other team. But with a parent... When they through the years have had little to no empathy for how you felt or what your experiences were, it was their reality that mattered. And since they were your parent, it's very likely that you believed that they were correct. Maybe for years you've questioned whether or not you should have felt hurt that there were years when a parent was absent. You got told it was your fault that there had been no contact. If you wanted to be with me, all you had to do was call me. Of course, you know rationally that that makes no sense, but you're handed responsibility for something that was your parents, not yours. Bullying can be hard for a kid to figure out. And of course, the bullying can go from subtle to not. What if you were made to do things that no child should, like drive the car because your parent was too drunk or stoned, or go along with them on a lunch date with someone they were having an affair with just to make it look as if it was innocent? You had a knot in the pit of your stomach, but you were told everything was fine. And if you showed any emotion about it, you were ridiculed for being a baby and told that you'd tag along next time as well, whether you wanted to or not. You didn't have a choice. The worst is when bullying takes the form of parental sexual or physical abuse, when you're bullied into doing what hurts in more ways than one. But it's confusing. It's just a tension that feels terrible. But bullying can be overtly vicious as well. When you're banned from using the bathroom in the house or made to sleep in the dog pen in the winter because you're told you're disgusting. I've heard many such stories. They're tragic, and there are far too many of them. Many of you, as you may listen, be thinking about minorities and other groups that have said, we matter. You cannot bully us. And they're standing up as they should. You may think that when you hear these stories, it's like you're watching a movie But the stories that I've given here come from people I know who've wondered all their lives if their gut was telling them something they could trust, that something was terribly wrong. Sure, there are mental diagnoses for parents like these, borderline narcissistic sociopathic personality disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, some other forms of severe mental illness. But sometimes it's just about being mean, and the child feels that. It's manipulative. It's confusing. And from someone who's supposed to be taking care of them and who they still rely on for food and shelter. Childhood bullying can be very, very difficult and lead to so much shame, guilt, but also resentment and anger. But what if you're partnered with a bully? 
Many people are being bullied or abused in their own homes, and there's almost always a cycle of an abusive event, then remorse, a promise it won't happen again, and slowly the tension mounts until it does happen again. This cycle can go on for years, and the bullying can be insidious. It doesn't have to be actual slaps or being thrown down the stairs. A woman I saw years ago brought in her abusive husband one session. I wasn't so sure about how it would go, but I agreed. On a daily basis, he'd accidentally jab her in the ribs or step hard on her toes or forget that she was counting on him for a ride home, spill things on clothes that she wore often. It was more than passive aggressiveness for sure. But he looked at me when she was talking about it and agreed with her that yes, those things were mean and that he needed to change. He also pointed out her own wrongdoings. She would escape through taking her any anxiety meds and isolate. But I said to him, do you know what you're doing is abusive? And he nodded and said, yes, I do, but I'll be better. I've always had a bad temper. When she came back for the next session, she looked at me and laughed. Do you know what he said after we left? I obviously shook my head no. He said, well, I guess you heard her say that I wouldn't do those things if you didn't provoke me. And my patient started laughing. She could finally see his justifications for what they were. He was just a bully. A year later, they were divorced. Certainly, I've had partners who've come in as well saying, I've never struck my wife or yelled at her. And as I'm not sure what's about to be said, I stay quiet and then I hear, it's her who throws things at me or screams at me or tears up my clothes. There is such sadness in all these situations. This particular gentleman had never been to therapy, but he opened up slowly but surely. His guilt at wanting to leave was palpable, but he did. But he maintained caring for her as best he could. He simply lived separately to escape the barrage of bullying. Hopefully you can see that what is lacking in a bully is empathy, as we said a few minutes ago. There's no realization of the impact of one's actions. Now again, that is part of several diagnostic categories, and that's helpful to know. But what it feels like is that you're being assaulted by someone who's learned that bullying gets them what they want. Control, domination, empowerment of the worst kind, distraction perhaps from their own inner pain. But there's no excuse. Certainly if you want to go back and see if a parent might fit the criteria for a personality disorder, I do have some episodes on that, and they'll be in the show notes. Before we continue, here's a few words about BetterHelp and a really cool offer they have for you right now. I was delighted when BetterHelp reached out to me as a potential sponsor. What exactly is BetterHelp? BetterHelp is an online therapy service that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not really self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. I also tried this out, of course, for my self-work listeners, and I was very impressed with the two counselors I tried. There's a broad range of expertise, and you're actually matched to the therapist that they believe will work best for you. You can have video sessions, phone sessions, you can text, and actually it's much less expensive than quote-unquote normal therapy. And BetterHelp is rated number one by so many platforms that specialize in trying to help you find the best therapy online for you. There's a special offer for self-work listeners where you get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash self-work. That's trybetterhelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash self-work. You can begin getting help today, and I highly recommend it. 
So give it a try. But the title of this episode and what I like to focus on in every episode is what you can do about it. If you're bullied as a child, there often is not a good answer. An adult intercession is often needed, if not a mandated Child Protective Services investigation. But that means someone has to report. And often the family is so frightened of what will happen after the social worker leaves that no one reveals. I've talked to so many grandparents, for example, who know things are more than rough for their grandkids. But since their state may not have any legal grandparent rights, their hands are tied, or certainly they can feel tied. If you know of a child who you believe is being abused, and perhaps even Child Protective Services has investigated and found nothing, what you can do is to love the heck out of those kids and allow them to experience what real love and acceptance can feel like. And of course, you can also always wait for perhaps a more dramatic example, but one that is provable in court. A grandparent or a teacher or an aunt or an uncle or some trusted adult saying to them, I see what's happening and it's not your fault, can do wonders. Many of my own patients will talk about that one person or relative who protected them, who gave them safety and kindness. And even in the toughest of them, there's usually a tear when that person's name is mentioned. You're making a difference whether you know it or not. Let me say clearly, bullying causes trauma, pure and simple. So you can find a therapist who specializes in trauma work. Yet so many people discount bullying. Oh, that happens to everyone. And sometimes mild bullying does. But when it was something you faced every day, when you were a target at school or at home or in your neighborhood, you need to heal. Please don't underestimate its power. One girl wouldn't do any activity in her entire life where her ears might show because she was bullied. Really, it's anything that makes you different. Your skin, your features, the way you dressed, where you lived, where how you worshipped. So going back and acknowledging that hurt and the power of it can be life-altering. And of course, thinking about what you want to do now in your life to help you heal from that hurt. But let's say you're grown up. How do you know if it's possible or even a good idea to try to talk to the person who bullied, even a parent? Actually, it often isn't. As we've talked about in other episodes, their capability for taking responsibility for themselves is very limited, if it exists at all. Your healing often has to come from within. Therapy can be immensely helpful, as frankly, an inherent part of therapy is that it's a safe relationship where you can feel understood and validated. And that can be healing as you begin to realize and accept that your parent may never have been able to offer empathy or an apology. They're not withholding that from you. They don't have it to give in the first place. Then, of course, you have to make decisions about how much or little you want to be with them. But it becomes your choice, and that can be healing. Certainly, if you see the same behavior toward your children, you can make the choice to leave. As you act as their protector, that's often healing in and of itself. But what if you're partnered with a bully or have children with them? This is a very complicated scenario. Some of you who listen to self-work regularly may remember that I got my first taste of being in the helping profession when I volunteered at the Battered Women's Shelter in Dallas. First, I worked the crisis line and would talk to women who were desperately trying to hide or get help in very dangerous situations. The shelter had a plan that was offered, but one of the stipulations was the victim couldn't allow their partner to know the address of the shelter. That makes obvious sense. 
but it was a sticking point for some. Maybe it was the first time they challenged his authority and the fights that could ensue could be vicious. Now we're talking about bulliers whose abuse has magnified and where there is little safety. Maybe there are even threats of murder. So you can only imagine the kind of courage it takes to walk out and consider building a new life. I also have a link in the show notes to an episode about leaving a domestic violence situation. But let's focus for a moment on whether or not you confront your bullying parent as an adult. I just watched someone very successfully do this because she remained staunch in her empowerment, solid in her rejection of her parents' excuses. She stayed out of her emotional self and stayed very rational, but she was also kind. All things that she practiced and we talked about for quite some time. The goal here was not to change the bully. They may or may not apologize. They may or may not take responsibility or show a shred of empathy. But you are speaking your perspective and your truth. So it's important not to set yourself up and have some kind of agenda that there will finally be healing or reconciliation or understanding. If you have that hope, you could be re-victimizing yourself. You're only in control of your half. And frankly, often the bully doesn't respond well. So you have to know that whatever kind of confrontation you choose is still important for you, not in order to get him or her to change, but to honor yourself. What did Forrest Gump say? My mama always said you got to put the past behind you before you can move on. You can put the past behind you. Do your own inner work, your self-work, and hopefully your healing will come. The listener email today is quite poignant. Hi, Dr. Margaret. I really love self-work and I enjoyed one of your podcasts specifically about not letting comparisons steal your joy. And my question is a follow-up to that. I'm already past that point. I struggle with self-worth and self-compassion mainly because of my traumatic childhood. I had a narcissistic, rageful father and a neglectful mother. And 10 or so years ago, I married into a family that it just is super competitive. Uh, the comparisons run deep, and it's a frankly a generational problem in this family. And so it's kind of a perfect storm for me. I just feel like I never measure up, and it's just tough. It's really tough. And I feel like with one relationship in particular, I am already past the point of my joy being stolen, and I'm in a, at just bitterness and resentfulness and just an inability to even enjoy the moments of my life that are good and I should be enjoying. And so I'm just kind of wondering, how do I dig myself out of this? I really appreciate you. Thank you. My heart went out to this young woman when she says, I'm past that, meaning she's past the point where she feels she can stay away from comparison. She's aware that she's growing bitter. And what I've learned is that bitterness can indeed sabotage any joy you might have in your life. But here are some of my thoughts as I listened. First, I wondered where your partner is in all of this. Is he also highly competitive and does he compete with you? Do you feel any trust in him to have your back and be able to separate himself or at least understand how you're feeling toward his family? It doesn't sound like this is so. There could be several reasons for that. I don't have enough information really to tell. It could be that given the trauma you've been through, that you're so accustomed to handling things on your own, you had a neglectful mom and a narcissistic dad. You never experienced trust or safety, and that could be 
being played out with your husband. What I mean by that is to suggest that perhaps he's also neglectful or not supportive. What I said in the intro is that sadly, so many of us don't realize that we're choosing familiar pain when we choose our partner. Whether or not that pain is about being criticized, constantly evaluated, or treated as if we're invisible and don't matter at all. Initially, something probably felt very different about him. Or maybe he was an escape, I don't know. But you've been in your partnership for 10 years, and I can certainly hear that you're worried about your bitterness and what you're becoming. I'm curious about how that's being played out in your life, and again, especially a relationship. Do you feel abandoned by him as well? The second thing I'd ask is this question. If you weren't so angry, so bitter, what else would you feel? My guess is that you just might feel overwhelming sadness or fatigue, that no relationships have been safe or secure for you. Vulnerability for you is not safe. No one has protected you, and that can feel desperately lonely. But sometimes we can get more accustomed to just being angry about it and letting that anger seep into your very being. That's not what you want to do, and that's why you sent in this tape. Here's a third thought. There's a person that you say all of this gets played out with the most. Here's my question. Are you giving them some kind of power? I'll use my own life as an example. I was never close to my mother-in-law. We were two very, very different people. Yet my own mother's mental health failed a couple of years into my marriage, and I was mothering for the first time, and frankly, I was looking for reassurance I was doing a good enough job. So I set myself up to look for it from her. She wasn't the kind of person who knew how to give that to anyone, really. So my own need set up a dynamic between the two of us that I was definitely a part of creating. I grew more and more resentful. Sadly, I didn't realize that for some time. I did all kinds of rebellious and at times childish things. But finally, I figured it out and unhooked myself from my own need. Maybe my story will help you. I got along much better with her after I stopped looking for affirmation. Therapy could, of course, be very helpful to you, or I hope it could be. Thanks for telling us your story, and please take very good care. As always, I want to thank all of you for being here. It means so much to me. There are plenty of ways of getting in touch with me. My website is AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. My email is AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. My website where you can subscribe, and it's a really easy way to keep up with the podcast as well as my blog posts. You can subscribe there at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I have a Facebook group, closed, at Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. I have a book that I've launched six months ago called Perfectly Hidden Depression, How to Break Free from the Perfectionism that Masks Your Depression, and that's available in audiobook, ebook, and paperback on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to your local bookstore and give them a little business. Thank you all for the reviews and ratings you've left. You do not know what they mean to me. Thank you so, so very much. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.